Amen. Please be seated in God's house. What a joy to be in God's presence. What a joy to be in God's presence, knowing that Jesus is in this house, to know that He is the author and the finisher of our faith, to know that Christ is the author and the finisher. What it simply means is He begins and He ends. My brother and sister, He has begun something new in your life and He's the one who brings it to completion. It is not over until He says it is over. Oh, come on. It is not over until He says He has the last verdict. The Roman soldiers and the centurions around thought this is the end of Jesus. But when they said this is the end, Christ had to finish it. And on the cross, He said, it is finished, which means He began a new race for each one of us. He begins this and He ends it. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is in this house. If He has began something in your life, He will bring it to completion. Do you believe? with me. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 It's a joy to be in God's house to know and recognize that Jesus has actually taken over the service. Right from the morning when we start our prayer, um, the morning devotions that we start here at 9 o'clock with all the teammates uh, of different various services and are uh, uh, joined together at 9 o'clock to 9.30. When we spend time in prayer, I am urging our church to join us together for that 30 minute of prayer that we have from 9 to 9.30. I am believing something amazing is going to happen the coming days. Do you believe with me? Praise Do you believe with me? If you don't repeat it after me, I won't go any further. Do you believe it after me? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 9 to 9.30 of our prayer, I'm requesting everybody join together. It's going to be a momentum that is going to be built up in this place that is going to lead for supernatural breakthroughs in this house. And I believe that as we come together in God's house, every time we come to God's house, let's come together with an expectation that the Lord is about to do something in my life or some word that He's about to pour into my life. It's going to bring more fruits and more breakthroughs breakthroughs in my life like never before and this morning if you are under my voice no matter where you are tuning in from but I have a word from my church here and everywhere that you are that if you're under my voice listen to this very carefully the Lord wants to bring something new in your life this season and I believe it I believe it something new has to happen in your life. The old has gone. The new has sprung up. Why? Because it is through the saving work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Do you have situations in your life that look like lost? You know what? This looks like a very dying situation. I have lost all hope about it. I don't think this will come to pass. Lord, I know you have promised about it. But can I tell you, my friend, Abraham and Sarah received a promise. But can I tell you? Ishmael was not the answer of their promise that God gave. It is the Isaac. Even if you have to wait, wait in the presence of God. Don't bring up your own ideas and birth out Ishmael's, but wait at the right time. Isaac will come out. Isaac will come out and I prophesy to the life of our church this morning that if you have received a word from God, it might have passed many years, but in the due time, it will bring forth the fruits that God has commanded. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God brings results. Bible says the word that comes out of the mouth of God, it's like rain. 
once the rain decides to fall, Pastor Prince, once the clouds decide to pour in rain, no force on earth can ever stop it because that's the same, uh, you know, in the ways God has promised His scriptures, every word that comes out of my mouth, wherever it falls, it is going to bring fruit in your life. All that matters, all that matters, the word of God is alive. It is the same yesterday. No change to the word of God. Allow our heart to receive the word of God. Allow our heart so that our heart becomes a good soil where every seed sowed will bring forth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100 and more. It is a promise of God. Every seed Every seed. A couple of months ago, my Josiah and I, um, my son, four years old, Josiah, the only son, we both walked outside in our, in our backyard. And my some weird idea, my, I don't do much gardening, but Josiah went to school and his teachers have been teaching him all kinds of stuff that puts me to work. <laughs> and he walked outside and he said, Dada, I have an idea. I'm like, what, what's your idea? He said, can we sow some seeds? I'm like, boy, I don't know what to do with gardening. I'm not good with that. I don't have a green thumb. Uh, but he said, only what we have to do is that, you know, take some seed and sow it. It will grow in its time. He said that. And like, wow, four-year-old can talk wisdom sometimes into our life. I don't know. Sometimes when I have conversations with him, like recently, Anisha and I, we were sitting down together um, for dinner or, and, and talking to this guy. I mean, we were having conversations and there's something that we said that did not resonate with what he has understood in his class, maybe in our Sunday school. I am thankful for the wonderful teachers that we have in our Sunday school. Can we actually put our hands together in appreciation for the beautifully talented, godly and anointed teachers that we have in this house. I am thankful for your life teachers. Wherever you are right now, you might be teaching children church, but I want to appreciate your time taken. And I, I, I know a father like me and father's here, mother's here would appreciate the hard work taken by some of our teachers. And we appreciate it. Josiah walked up and he said something that actually enabled us to think, oh, you know what? We've been preaching this for some time. But there are situations when it comes up that we forgot what we preached about. And a four-year-old year has to remind us. A four-year-old has to remind us what actually the scriptures would talk and help us to stand in our faith. Praise the Lord. And because Josiah said, yeah, let's just plant some seeds. I went into the kitchen, got some tomato, came outside and I said, Josiah, this is all I have. I mean, Josiah said, dad, this is a vegetable. It's not a seed. <laughs> but I told him, son, there are many seeds in this one vegetable. Let us just sow it. God gives seed to the sower. All I did with Josiah was crush the tomato and put it out. I didn't go to dig the ground, nothing. I just showed it. And the other day, we walked up to our um, you know, um, backyard to see there are some tomato saplings coming out. Why? Because one boy, my son, not any son, my son, told me, Dad, let's show something. Here is what I want to tell you. At the right time, God is the author of rain. He will bring rain at the right time. Allow your heart 
to receive the word of God. It might take time. It might be four days. Lazarus, you are not too old to sit in the tomb. When master walks into Bethany, every Lazarus will walk outside. The tomb has to obey. The stone has to roll away because it is the master's word and nothing can stand in between. Promises of God will come to pass in your life. Have you heard some promises? I mean, this morning as I was meditating and, and spending in God's uh, feet, and I heard this voice that came to my life. And this is not where I want to talk to you from the scriptures, but maybe this is what the Lord wants me to communicate to our church. That this season in somebody's life, you are seated in a way that you have lost all hopes. You are seated in a way that you have lost all hopes for something new to birth in your life. Can I tell you, my God does not lie. He is not a liar. And every promises that he has made will come to pass in your life. I repeat it. Every promises made in your life will come to pass in your education might look like it is derailed. But can I tell you, if God wants you to succeed in it, He will make sure you will come out of it. If you see your job is derailed somewhere, you are seeing some uncomfortable situations in your job scenarios, by God's promises, a yes and amen all the time. And He will bring it to completion in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, come on, church. Hallelujah. 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 I'm excited all the time. Every time I get to stand behind this pulpit or walk into our church sanctuary just for preaching the word or leading this church, I am excited. I'm excited because we might be coming from different ha homes and different families, but we come to worship a God who brings us all together. If it is not the work of God to bind us all together, you and me cannot do it. Praise the Lord. The only one who is able to quench our thirst is Jesus. I can't do it. None of our worship leaders can do it. The only one that can feed our hungry soul is Christ himself. And when he does it, he does it to the best. And Bible says everyone will be satisfied with the way Christ does it. So today, this morning, as we look into God's scriptures, as we meditate for some time, pondering to what the Lord has to communicate to us, everybody receive it with an open heart that every word sown will be sown onto a good soil, bringing forth revival in our life. This morning, I want to continue into the second part of the uncomfortable series that I started last week. Sometimes life brings us into a place of making us very uncomfortable. Have you ever walked into a restaurant where you felt uncomfortable because of the smell? I mean, we walked into a Brazilian restaurant many years ago. I think it was a Peruvian restaurant for our anniversary. I walked into this place, the stench, I could not handle it. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but it was so bad that we had to change our wedding anniversary plans from that. I mean, unfortunately, Anisha, because she loved that food, we had to stay back and we had to eat. And I can't do, I can't decide anything on that area. But we ended up eating that. But what I'm saying, this place is very uncomfortable for me personally. Have you ever been in conversations with people where you have felt that, oh, you know what? I don't fit in. This is very uncomfortable. Have you walked into homes where you have felt that I don't feel you know, welcomed here? I feel very uncomfortable in this situation. Have you had text messages come into your phone where you have felt that, you know what, I don't feel comfortable in replying back. I, I feel uncomfortable in this situation. If you have ever gone for missions in northern part of India, especially Uttar Pradesh and Nepal, and I was ministering in Nepal, and I mentioned this last week to one of our sisters who is heading out to Nepal for a missions camp this coming year end, uh, 
and I mentioned it to them. As, as, as I walk, you know, cross the border of India and then make the, our vehicles pass through the border and we entered into Nepal, the kind of spiritual backfire, the kind of spiritual strongholds that threatened us, I really realized in my spirit and I felt so uncomfortable in that area. I don't know, sometimes you may feel when you walk into some houses that are not worshipping Jesus the way they should and you will feel something that is pushing you out. You feel very uncomfortable in those situations. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the uncomfortable areas that God actually places you in. The reason why sometimes God brings uncomfortable situations in your life is for you to understand that it is not in the comforts of the world we need to find ourselves. But sometimes God shakes our systems up in a way that He will want us to rely only on Jesus. Only on Jesus. And that's what we see in the Old Testament when the children of Israel, we all know the story, when the children of Israel, they walked out of Egypt, they could, I mean, God is a miracle working God. If He can open the Red Sea, I am sure, in just a blink of an eye, He can just directly transport them into Canaan, land flowing with milk and honey. They have no work to do. These are God's own children. But you know what God did? He made them to walk through wilderness, uncomfortable journey uncomfortable area, uncomfortable places that they had to walk through and, and they had to reach the promised land. Here's the story that I want to bring to your attention. Is the story in the New Testament. I mean, it's not a story, but it's a conversation that Jesus is having in the life of His disciples. This is how it goes. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It, it talks about, Then He called the crowd to Him along with His disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Number one, must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Number one, they must deny themselves. Number two, they must take the cross and they must follow me. He called all his disciples. He called all the 12 of his disciples and the other disciples. There was always with Jesus all the time. They walked and journeyed with Jesus. But here in the story, Jesus is opening up the scriptures and he's asking his people, come to me. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something very valuable. I want you to understand the essence of being a follower of mine, the essence of being a disciple of mine. And it starts with number one, denying yourself. Denying yourself, denying self, emptying ourselves. And I'm not anywhere coming closer to tell you that it, this means that you have to be low on your self-esteem. No, work on your self-esteem. Work on your self-worth. But at the same time, denying yourself. Denying yourself. You know, there are moments in our life when the factor I would spring up. Come on, tell I, let, let me help, help us understand that the factor that we want to get involved in the I factor that comes in every aspect of our life's journey, sometimes we have to deny ourselves. Sometimes for the betterment of what God wants to do through us, we have to deny ourselves. And here, Jesus is explaining, it is the most uncomfortable conversation Jesus is ask, uh, actually having with His disciples. Everybody will follow a leader if the leader promises them wealth, if the leader promises them Lamborghini, if the leader promises them every blessing, everybody wants to follow that kind of a leader. But here is Jesus, one of the greatest leaders ever, Human race has seen. 
He stands up in the group, crawls his crowd and tells them, you know what? If you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, number one, deny yourself. Oh, Peter would have said, Lord, Lord, are you serious? Are you serious? I came to be your disciple so that after you die, Jesus, I will be. James and John or Jacob would have said, Lord, after you pass away, I have the next position. I have the next role. Are you with me? The disciples' minds were perplexed with the, just the thought that Jesus gave here. Number one aspect in the life of a disciple is that you must deny yourself. And church, this morning, my message to us is sometimes God brings us into situations of making us very uncomfortable so that we realize it is only God, only God, only God who reigns in every aspect of our life. Sometimes God shakes things up in our life. And that's why I, the flagship words of our uncomfortable series was from Deuteronomy, Deuteron <coughs> excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10 and 12. 10, 11, and 12. This is how it goes. In a desert land, he found him. In a barren and holing waste, he shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle. Understand this. If you want to mark it, underline it, you can do it. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. Sometimes God will shake our nest Shake our most comfortable place so that we learn to rely on God in every situation that might come. Allow God to stir up our nest sometimes. I have come across a lot of people who are so satisfied with everything that you... Sometimes God will stir things up in your life. I was meeting with a brother the other day. We were having a counseling session and uh, dinner time and as we were talking... You know, he comes from a very good family, Malayali Pentecostal, comes from a very good family. And, and, and there are situations that is, he's, he's handling in his personal life where he feels that his nest has been stirred up. His nest has been stirred up. Listen to me very carefully. Some of us kids here, because now you are under the umbrella of our parents' house, everything looks very smooth and good. There's going to be a time when you will have your personal encounters. There's going to be a time when God will actually intentionally stir up your nest. He will break the comfort zone. He will break everything that was holding you together. You know why sometimes God will shake your kingdom so that he can give his kingdom to you. Let that sink in for a moment. Sometimes God will shake up our comfort zones so that He can give something better that He has promised. The best thing that God has promised in the child of God, in the child's life or in a Christian's life is eternity and nothing other than that. I don't care about the 200 million or 2 million, not 200, 2 million or 3 million homes. I don't care about the Lamborghini or whatever. If God wants to give you, my brother, let Him bless with you, bless you with everything, all of you guys, right? Take me for a ride. If God wants to, He will. But that's not where our focus is. Eternity and eternity is the only hope God has given us. And anything that comes in between, God will shake it up. God will shake it up. And when God does shake that, those things, sometimes, you know, I was meeting with another brother. He was um, talking to them, this family um, because you all don't know, I'm going to just share it, right? <laughs> um, he was in a relationship for many years, many years. His whole life was that this lady love that he has found 
uh, in his teen years, and he was in this relationship for all these years. But can I tell you all the journey that as life goes on, uh, all he looked in his life was his lady love, and he forgot. He took his eyes from his from, from God, who is the holder of everything in his life. He deviated from the plans of God. Guess what happens? One fine day after so many years, the lady decided to walk over him and walk out of his life. His heart was broken. His heart, guess what happened? When his heart was broken, the first person he approached was God himself. Was God himself. But let that not be our situation. What I'm trying to help our church understand is sometimes God will bring, bring us into uncomfortable areas of life so that we understand in those given moments that it's the work of God so that we come back to the understanding that the author and the finisher is Jesus, nobody else. Nobody else comes in between. Praise the Lord. In proposal statements, I have heard, and I hope nobody uses those, you know, you are my everything. Of course, you are my everything, but you are not everything compared to who Christ is in my life. You could be everything, but you are not anywhere close to who Jesus is. And in this morning, this morning, some young guys are making proposal plans already, but some, some of us, let us understand, let us understand that Christ and Christ alone is the author and the finisher of our race. Let Him and Him alone be our goal. Sometimes when God brings us to uncomfortable situations, it is for us to know Him. And here in the story, Mark 8, 34, Jesus talks about, number one, if you have to follow me or you become my disciple, the first important thing that you do is you deny yourself. Self-deny yourself in given scenarios. which could be different aspects of life's journey. Where are those moments that you think that you're, you are coming ahead of everything that God has planned in your life? How are those situations that you balance out and you think, God, you know what? You know, I don't want to be me to be the first person being there, but I want you to be there and leading me. I deny myself in those areas. Number two, the most important part here is carry your cross. And carrying your cross has been so commercialized and used these days that people uh, uh, carry a cross around their neck. Now it has come out to different shapes and elements and uh, expensive and different stuff. It could be a wooden cross. Uh, it could be an expensive gold or a diamond. And, and, and we have a lot of rappers now that can just show off, showcase their expensive ones. And we just want to follow that. I'm not talking about all those. Not at all. But here in the story, Jesus talks about carrying a cross. And because now this has been so commercialized for us, when we look at the picture of a cross, it does not actually give us the symbol of execution. But in the Old Testament, when actually Jesus was mentioning about this portion, the disciples around Jesus came and they were like, are you serious? You want us to hold that cross? I, I, are you kidding me, Jesus? You want, to, you want us to hold the symbol of execution? Because in the Roman world, in the Roman world, cross was used to execute people. And you want us to carry that and walk with you? But here's the message that Jesus was giving. Here's the message that Jesus was giving. As we read Mark 8, 34, helps us understand. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, number one, must deny themselves. Number two, take up their cross and follow me. It's not easy. But as we look into the aspect of the cross, four things that would come up in, as we look into why the cross, what Jesus was mentioning is, number one, the cross signifies opposition. Number two, the cross signifies shame. Number three, the cross signifies suffering. Number four, the cross signifies death. 
There are four elements added into why Jesus was helping his disciples to understand that if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, number one, you will be opposed by people. Understand that. The very essence of Christian life is not that everybody will come join together all the time. Praise the Lord. There are going to be opposition in your life and that comes out. Why? Because you are carrying the cross of Jesus. Praise the Lord. When Jesus was carrying the cross, the heavy cross on his broken, bruised body and walking through that path and going to Golgotha here, we understand. That as he was carrying the world's burden on his shoulders, he was helping his disciples to understand, you cannot be a follower until you practice what I am actually doing. Cross signifies opposition. How many of you have oppositions in your life? In your workplace? Or not just the work, just because you are a child of God, do you have ever gone through situations where you are opposed? Yes. Praise the Lord. Recently, my, my family did not receive a wedding invitation from my own first cousin. Reason? Because we are Pentecostal believers. It doesn't matter if you don't invite me to the wedding. I have a better wedding coming up. Just because, just because we're a child of God, just because we accepted Christ, my, my family, my parents are the only ones from both of the sides to accept Christ as a personal Savior. Even if they're watching online, they know what I stand for. It doesn't matter. Are there life situations where you have been opposed by people? Just because you are a child of God? Can I tell you, as a child of God, you have an identity. Amen. And you are separated for something bigger than what you know and think about yourself. You are a child of the living God. We sing those songs. Let that resonate. Every word and every sentence resonate in our life. I am a child of the living God. I ran away from him, but it's a reckless love of the Father that has chased me down. And I come back to the saving grace. I am a child of God. I will be opposed in life by anybody and everybody because I am a child of God. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Number two, the cross helps us understand it is the, the symbol of shame. Of course, in, 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 in the New Testament, we understand that Jesus was hung on a cross and he became the curse for our curse. Or in other words, it's a symbolic represent, representation there that the, the curse of humanity was taken over onto Jesus. That nobody else has to go through that episode again. But here it talks about cross is a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of shame. And disciples could not understand, God, are you serious? You know, if you tell us to ride on a donkey or a horse after becoming your follower, we will do it. But taking a cross and walking behind you, God, it doesn't make any sense. But there are things that doesn't make sense to us. Is what sometimes God will help us to do it so that we, when we do it, it is in total obedience to His Word. Cross was a symbol of shame. Have you been shamed out in places? Singled out in places? Have you been singled out in your groups, among your friends? Have you been singled out because just because you're a child of God? It is simply because you are carrying the cross of Jesus and you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's okay if people, if the, even if there is nobody with you in this journey, you're always the majority with Jesus Christ around you. Yes. We do so many things in our life 
just to gather friends around. I'm not saying anything about having friends. We need to have friends, good friends that help us. Friends that help us to reach our potential and our destiny. We need to have friendship in our life. But don't just go on to making friendships. Just going on making friendship that you lose the fact that it is for your life and your life alone that Christ had to die. And cross helps us to understand that is a very symbol of shame. It is a very symbol of shame. Number four, the, uh, thirdly, it is the suffering. None of us have suffered anywhere close to what Christ has to suffer. Anywhere close to. I've heard testimonies where people have shared about talking about their sufferings that they have suffered when they have come to Christ. Of course, yes, all of us, we have all suffered in whatever case or scenarios it is. But we have never come anywhere close to the sufferings of what Christ has suffered. But when we carry the cross and walk behind Him, the sufferings help us to understand that I am suffering because I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am a child of Jesus Christ. Fourthly, we understand the death. Cross symbolizes the death. Jesus' death was symbolized on the cross. Anytime we see a cross, we, we understand it is the execution of, of a sinner. But when we see the cross of Jesus, and Jesus is asking us as his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you carry my cross and follow me. It simply symbolizes here that we are dying to our world every single day. Praise the Lord. So, uh, once in, I'm, I'm sharing a lot of lover jokes today. I don't know why, but um, one guy told another girl, uh, please, um, he told um, on his knees and he said, I will die for you. <laughs> um, some of you will not understand, it's okay. It's easy to die, but very hard to live. In a Christian walk, what is most important is that we live dying every day. As a child of God, we live. And let this sink in in your life and your heart for a moment. We live dying every single moment. We live dying every single moment. There are moments in our life that the carnal nature will try to come over the spiritual man. It tries to come because we live in this world. None of us are angels. None of us are holy and perfect. We all have shortcomings and weakness. And that's why every single moment of our life, as a child of God, the cross symbolizes one thing, one fact, that it is showing me death in my life, that I died once, and through Christ, I live forever. But every moment of my life, I die so that I can live, or I live by dying to the world. I live by dying to the selfish desires. I live by dying to the ego that might come up, that might try to attack everything around. You know what? Hurt people hurt always everybody around them. Somebody who is hurt, you will always tend to hurt people every time. But sometimes you have to understand, in order for you to give life outside of yourself, uh, uh, you know, situations that God has brought you into, you have to allow that your situations, those moments in your life must have to die so that it gives life in the outside. Amen. Cross symbolizes death. And today... Most of us, can I have the worship team? Most of us, most of us, most of us must understand one thing here 
that, that, that the essence of Christian, of the center of Christian faith is the cross. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. The center of Christian faith, it is the cross of Jesus Christ. If we have the facility here, I would have put a cross right there just as a sermon illustration today. But it is the center of Christian faith, the cross. Number two, following Jesus means denying ourselves and taking up our own crosses, our own crosses. What are those crosses that is present in your life and you are able to take it, dying to it every single moment, making us one with God. Number three, Jesus has provided the ultimate example of carrying the cross onto Calvary showcased and helped us understand that if Christ can do it, we as his disciples can also. That is for our betterment. Can we all rise up in God's house? As we close up here, we have to understand something very important that I want to mention here, that you cannot receive a crown without a cross. There is no crown without a cross. You have to go through the cross to receive the crown. And that's what Jesus helps us to understand. Jesus became the heir, the chief initiator of, of, of eternal life into our life. And he became that only because he had to or he could or he did go through cross. Hallelujah. Going through cross gave him the crown. And that is what Christian life is about. We will go through cross of our life. Troubled situations, uncomfortable moments of our life, situations that does not add up into your mathematics that you have brought about your life, situations that does not add up to the calculations you have made up for your perfection. But can I tell you, those uncomfortable situations will birth out crowns for you. If you remain faithful, you know, during baptism, we always say this, if you remain faithful until the coming of the Lord, you will receive the crown of life. You will receive the crown of life. Where, does we, where do we share that? We share that when the person is in the baptism tank. What is happening in the baptism tank? It is the most uncomfortable place. Why? Because you are now going to die. And as you come up, you become a new person. And you receive, become part of the inheritance that God wants to give you. What is that? The crown of life. You cannot have a crown without a cross. My friends, you and me might be going through some situations in life that may look like very uncomfortable, that may look like the cross of life. But through that, God is bringing out some crowns for you. Some crowns for you. Every eye closed looking to the Lord. Every eye closed looking to Jesus' faith. Helping us understand, Lord, I pray that we will not miss the process. Father, we pray that we will not miss the purpose in the process. Help us, O oh Lord, that in every step that we take, in every move that we make in our life, that we deny ourselves, carry our cross, and become a better disciple of yours. Father, shake the things around in our life. Make us more uncomfortable place. Father, if we have saturated ourselves in this comfortable places, oh Lord, we pray that you will shake things up in our life. You will shake things up in our life, oh Lord. 
that we will become uncomfortable to see who you are in your radiant in your glory we want to see you once again lord we pray that we deny ourselves carry the cross to become a follower of yours